oh, I'll be happy if I make more money or I'll be happy if I get that girl or I'll be happy if I get that promotion. But you always, then you would get those things and you're unhappy again or you're unfulfilled again and you got to create a new thing. Have you ever let stress get the better of you? Want to know how to maximize your productivity? My name is Tommy Bowie. Follow me as I deep dive into the minds of successful entrepreneurs and industry professionals on the tools, tips, and strategies they use to overcome stress and boost productivity in their daily lives, especially when the going gets tough and the stakes are high. This is the Stressless Entrepreneur Podcast. My guest today is a professional and personal certified performance coach. He's worked with strong and successful leaders, rebellious innovators, and powerful teams who are ready to boldly declare what they want, get real about what's in the way, and create the strategies and steps to generate more authenticity, clarity, and success. Through his one-on-one coaching, online courses, workshops, and his book, Fictional Authenticity, he's helped clients double their incomes in under 90 days, save their marriages, get published, scale their companies from six to seven figures, buy dream homes, launch companies, and build successful teams. After an emotional awakening that he'd never fulfill his purpose in hospitality, he got certified through the most rigorous leadership and coaching programs available and read over 200 books on success, entrepreneurship, leadership, business, and performance. He has since launched Dream Mason Incorporated and the Dream Mason Podcast, where he's interviewed over 150 of the world's highest performing, brilliant, and successful leaders. I have with me today, Alex Terranova. Alex, thanks for joining me today on the Stressless Entrepreneur Podcast. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Alex, I wanted to get you on the show today because I wanted to dive deeper into the concept of how we as humans have a tendency to fake who we are as a person to please others and also speak to you about your incredible journey within the podcasting space. Uh, But before we do that, are you able to give us a little bit of history about, about yourself and what it is that you do? Yeah, absolutely. So now you are talking to me after like six years of transformation and change and having a coach and doing workshops and reading well over 200, 250 books. Mm -hmm. So who I am is now I'm a podcast host. I host a couple of shows, but my main show is called the, the Dream Mason podcast. I wrote a book last year called Fictional Authenticity. I'm a personal and performance coach. So I work with clients one-on-one, I work with companies and teams, basically to have people perform better. So whatever's important to you, relationships, money, happiness, but how do we get more of that into your life? But I got here because I love that you started this with the way we pretend, because I was somebody who I remember being a little kid and seeing like, you know, watching movies and seeing people like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone and these famous movie stars and TV and even TV shows and thinking, oh, that's what a man is supposed to be like. Like a man is supposed to have muscles and be strong and tough and successful and make money and get the girl. That was like a big one for me. Like man's got to get the girl. And I remember growing up thinking that's who I have to be. And then not really being myself, always being worried about how people saw me and making sure that people saw me as that kind of a person. And it took until I was about 32 years old before I realized, oh man, like I'm, I'm living a lie. Like I'm living a complete lie and that's why I'm successful, but I'm unhappy and I'm unsatisfied. Mm-hmm. And so my journey to get here and have this conversation with you today has been about discovering who I really am, you know, peeling the layers off an onion to see like what's underneath 
and taking away all that fictional, that fictional stuff. And honestly, I believe that we all do this to some, you know, in some way we, women do it, men do it. I don't care what race, religion, where you come from, something when you were little influenced you and something hurt you and you made some conscious decisions we all have to be something that may not be true to who we are. And speaking about being successful, a lot of us see success as monetary. If we chase a financial figure, then we'll be successful. You said that you were successful, but you were unhappy. Talk us through some of those moments when you can say that you felt successful, but unhappy. What was that like? You know, I don't even know if I realized how bad it was until I was on the other side of it. And I think sometimes the way we can, people can get that is some people think they feel good, but until they feel really good, until they're super healthy, they don't even realize how bad they felt before. And I think that's where I was in terms of satisfaction and fulfillment is I thought it was the way that it was supposed to be. You know, I was a pretty negative person. I always used to joke that I was a realist. But realists are negative. They're always expecting bad things to happen. Realists never expect good things to happen. And I was somebody who, you know, at the time I used to open restaurants and bars across the country and I would work really hard. I would get paid. I would get, you know, the car that I want. I lived in the apartments that I want. I lived it in the, in the cities. I lived in by the beach in Los Angeles. I lived in Brooklyn, New York. I lived in great places. I was dating, I want to say beautiful, smart women. But at the end of the day, if you took those women away, I felt sad. If you took the money away, I felt sad. If you just left me with me, I felt like empty, hollow. I didn't want to be with myself. Like I was judgmental about myself. There was always something wrong. I was judgmental about other people. And it was always like success was outside of me. So I had to, oh, I'll be happy if I make more money. Or I'll be happy if I get that girl. Or I'll be happy if I get that promotion. But you always, then you would get those things and you're unhappy again, or you're unfulfilled again, and you got to create a new thing. Mm -hmm. Those things are great, right? Like go do all those things, but learn, I had to learn how to be happy with just being me first, because then it didn't matter. I could, I could keep checking off boxes and they would be fulfilling versus, I think of it sometimes like as, imagine if you just kept eating and you never got full Mm -hmm. and you're just like, well, just one more bite, but it doesn't ever fill you up. And instead of going, wait a minute, this isn't working, most of us just keep doing the same thing. We just keep trying to achieve, 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 hoping that we'll get this result of happiness, fulfillment, whatever. But we, it has to start, I, I really believe, from inside of us. Yeah, and the biggest trap is that we don't accept our current situation and we always are looking forward and chasing the next big thing. Mm-hmm. But we're not just pausing for the moment and saying, you know, look what I have. Like, this is a great life that I'm living. Rather, we're just going, well, this is not enough. And I think that mindset causes a lot of issues in terms of lifestyle creep, chasing yeah. financial gain, a prettier girl in that sense. I love that you said that. Yeah. I love that you said that not enough. Cause I think that's the thing right there. Like if you think that it's not enough, I think it comes back. Like it's, we don't think we're enough. Yep. You know, it's like, I always look at anything I think outside of me, I have to look back inside. Of me. Mm. So if I think there's something wrong with the situation, well, what if I use that as a mirror? And like, what is that thing that I think is wrong with showing me about me? It's cool that you brought that in. Yeah, and it's the whole self-awareness part of it as well. It's understanding that things are the way they are and it's your response to that and also how you move forward. 
there's a couple of things that I want to talk about. You're a performance coach. You've got the Dream Mason podcast and a few others. And you're an author, uh, fictional authenticity. Mm-hmm. Let's go through one of them each. First, let's go through fictional authenticity. Sure. What's that book all about? And what was the motivation behind the book? The book is, is about my journey. The book is about me realizing that I thought I was this blunt, authentic, real person. And then realizing that it was inauthentic, right? So fictional is fake and authentic is real. And it was like fictionalized authenticity. So I had crafted this story about who I was and what life was going to be like, and I was living it, but it wasn't authentic. So the book is about, I lay the book out as in my journey. So it tells you my story, but in each chapter, if I'm talking to you about trust and faith, I tell you my story about that, but then I leave you with practices on how you can look at your life and your trust and faith. When I talk about how the things that happened to us in our early life, I call them our fear stories. So I think we all have fear stories because fear isn't there when we're born. It gets introduced to us and then becomes part of who we are. And I think the things that happen to us when we're little, especially the scary things, leave like almost like a residue or an impact. And until we like look at how those stories crafted, how we see the world, we're like almost victims to the stories that we created. So like I tell you my fear stories and then I tell you, hey, here's the ways that you can figure out what your fear stories are. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a biography, but it's also or like a biography slash memoir, but it's also like a self-help book. And I think it's really great for people who maybe can't afford to hire a coach, can't afford to go do a Tony Robbins event it will walk you through basically the baby steps of getting to know yourself better than you think you know yourself. Yeah. And when we talk about trauma and anxiety, Mm -hmm. I've had a few guests on my show that do mention that some of this trauma do come from intergenerational and down Mm -hmm. the the line as well. That gets passed on without us knowing because these are some of the scars that aren't necessarily talked about, but are shown through action. And it's not really direct unless we sit down and assess some of those it's very hard for us to know exactly what's happening um so that's a great i guess way of approaching and trying to understand your life as well Mm -hmm. in your book you talk about embracing and cultivating a healthy balance of masculine and feminine energy Mm -hmm. what do you mean by that exactly i think we've been conditioned to think that men are masculine or women are feminine right like that's the default It's like very binary, you know, it's one or the other. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very, it's not bad or good. It's just limiting way to believe because then men have to be like strong, no feet, like men aren't allowed to feel. We're not allowed to be sad. We can only be angry. We're not allowed to like be heartbroken. We're not allowed to like say when, you know, we have emotions or needs. I think a a big thing with men is men don't, don't admit or own when they need things. Yep. Now, I don't mean needs like hunger or water or shelter, but needs like love or affection or attention or care or compassion. Women, on the other hand, we put them in a different box, the feminine box, where we say, oh, they're all feelings and they're all like emotional. And women need these things that men don't need and men don't need the things that women don't need. But we're all human at the end of the day. Even if you look at like biology, right, we all start as the feminine, and then it splits to become a man or a woman, or stay as a woman or become a man. And we have, we all have estrogen and testosterone in our bodies, right? There's more testosterone in a man and less in a woman, but it's all there. And I, when I say that it's limiting, I can't speak to the, the numbers of this on the world, but like in the United States, suicide is much higher with men than with women. 
And I think part of that is because men don't understand how to work with their emotions, how to be with their emotions, process their emotions, feel their emotions. And I think women, on the other hand, often get put in the box of just their emotions and aren't able to, to own some of their power from the masculine. And neither one is better or worse, but I think all of us are losing by not embracing all of it. Because we're, we're saying like essentially we get half a life. Instead of getting to be a full human being, we only get to embrace the spectrum that we're on. And so part of becoming authentic, I think, is understanding where do you fall, right? Are you a very masculine man? Are you a very masculine woman? Are you a very feminine man or a very uh, feminine woman? And it has nothing to do with sex or gender orientation. Mm. There's like almost um, traditional uh, characteristics that we associate with these things, right? And I think if we can embrace, if you're a man and you can embrace more of your feminine, it makes you a more whole and complete man. And if you're a woman and you can embrace more of your masculine, or if you're a woman, right, whatever you're playing more dominant, embrace the opposite. I think you'll become more satisfied. You'll have better relationships. But also, I mean, I think you'll feel more true to yourself than pretending to only be one side of the coin. Yeah, and for the longest time, I've always thought that one of my strengths was that I was able to contain my emotions and kind of not show it as I'm, you know, in meetings or in discussions. And now in hindsight, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking that's also a weakness because I'm not actually embracing those emotions as they come. I'm kind of just pushing them to the side and then just moving forward with life. And that's one of the key things when it comes to understanding emotion, being a good listener, um, and some of the more feminine attributes that we can kind of use to kind of help us towards a, a goal. Yeah. And we also, you know, you made me think of this as you were talking, like we also like put people in boxes and make them wrong if they don't fit the standard, right? So if you're a man and you're feminine, when you're young, you probably get bullied more and it's not better or worse. You just don't fit in the box that we made up, right? We all mm. made up what these categories and boxes were. Somebody, de we decided that men should be like this and women should be like this. And if you don't fit, you know, unfortunately, like, we're probably not people, humans aren't nice to people that don't fit in two boxes. And I think that is a shame also because you have people that have, you know, think about all the men who may have had some talent that somebody said, oh, that's a woman's thing. Or a woman that was very athletic that somebody dissuaded her from doing that because it's a man's thing. And I'm using these obviously as generalizations, but I wonder how many brilliant maybe singers or artists that were men that got pushed out, or maybe how many women that were super talented, or maybe even, you know, women we think of, we don't normally associate women with like sciences, you know, like, like science, physics, things like that. How many brilliant women were kind of told that's not a field for women. That's men, men do technology and science. So mm -hmm. I, I, I wonder how much better of a world and humanity we'd have if people could actually go to their strengths and what they were drawn to, but also embrace the things that maybe we've kind of, to your point, have pushed aside. And when we're younger, we're told to live a certain way. There's a traditional thought process um, when it comes to studying, learning, and having a career. And I think one of the, the things that we all struggle with is understanding our comfort zone or the status quo and then pushing ourselves outside of that. And if it's just outside the comfort zone, I think there's a bit of an easy reach. But when society's telling us that, you know, it's all the way over there, it's, it's all the way here, 
that's it's not even within reach for us anymore. That's when that's where the problem lies. I think when people are trying to do better or uh, live a certain way that's outside of the status quo. Mm-hmm. What are some of the common themes that you're seeing come through as a as a performance coach with people trying to rebel from the status quo but are afraid to do so? I think number one, well, now it's because of who I work with specifically. So I often, and not always, I've had clients from 20-year-old yoga teachers to 60-year-old principals at schools. And I've had, you know, seven-figure business entrepreneurs and businessmen and small business owners and blue-collar business owners. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm working with some really successful blue-collar entrepreneurs. They're like in their 40s and 50s. They have very successful businesses. And it's like all about the hustle, grind, grind, grind. And I know there's a lot of things about Australia and the United States. There's a lot of similarities culture-wise. Like here in America, it's all about like grind, hustle, do more. If you want more money, work harder. And I think that leaves a lot of these men, especially men. I have some women that fall into this too that I work with that at their end of the day, they're like, well, this is it. I'm just going to grind and push and hustle and hustle and hustle. And for what? Like I have all this money, but I'm tired. My relationships suck. Like I don't get to take the money with me when I die. Nobody on their deathbed is thinking, God, I wish I had more money. Mm-hmm. But people on their deathbed are thinking, I wish I had spent more time with certain people, or I wish I had loved more. Or, I wish I had played more, or had more fun. And I think that those are the things that come up because the coaching is not a coaching is not a need. Nobody needs coaching. You need food, air, shelter, water. So typically the people that are I'm talking to or that I'm working with are people that have their basic needs met. They, you know, the, the bases are co- the basic needs and necessities are covered and they're actually doing really well in a certain area of their life. But yet there's other areas of their life that are out. It's like the, it's almost like a, a dice that's imbalanced, right? A dice has six sides, but imagine if every time we rolled it, it only showed up on two sides and those other four sides never get attention. I think that takes a toll on a human, right? If you're just like, if, if the two sides that show up are like, make money and succeed. Well, the toll that it takes, your health is out, you know, your well-being, your sleep, your stress. You, I, this, you know, you talk a lot about stress and people taking care of themselves. A lot of my clients, their stress is like off the charts. Their health is off the charts. And it hasn't necessarily hit them yet. Like they haven't had a heart attack or a stroke or cancer, but they know there's a part of them that knows, man, if I keep pushing like this, my relationship is going to go or my health is going to go or my kids are going to go, or I'm going to look back and I'm going to be 70 and going, man, I, I, I spent my whole life just trying to get money and notoriety and I missed actually enjoying my life. Yeah. And I think there's two conversations that they're having with themselves. I think the first one is, I just need to do this until this time, you know, I just need to do this until oh, I yeah. get this, you know, once I get that, then this will be all, all, all be over. But they don't realize that that's a conversation they've been having with themselves and time will just pass. And when they get to the point where they're like, oh shit, I've said this for the past, you know, however many years mm-hmm. and this is the result. And I think that's the turning point when things would either continue, they will continue to burn out or they will rethink the strategy because one person will be like, well, there's, there's so much sunk cost and they start getting into a depression because that's the tipping point, right? I've sunk so much energy and this is what I've gotten out of it. And the others will look, what's done is done and let's move on from that. So talking about that though, you mentioned that in terms of coaching, not necessarily everyone needs a coach. 
what's your viewpoint on a high performance coach and where do they fit in in someone's life? It's a great question because I think, yeah, we talked about like you don't need it. I think at least for me, because there's so many kinds of coaches, right? There's health coaches, there's business coaches, there's life coaches. I really believe I like to coach human beings. I like to think like, hey, Tommy, you're a whole human being. If you're having problems in your relationship, it's probably going to impact your work. It might even impact the podcast. If you're having problems with the podcast, you might take it out on the person you're seeing romantically. Like our lives, we like to think of our lives being like compartmentalized, like, oh, this is work and personal and whatever, but they do intercede with each other. And so I really like to work with somebody on making their whole life like thriving and enjoyable and successful instead of just one part. And often people come to me and say, hey, I want help making more money. Great. But then next thing we know, they're telling me how their marriage is falling apart. Or they say, hey, I need help. I've been very successful. Help me save my relationships. And the next thing we know, what they're not focused on is their health and their well-being. So you brought up a good point, actually, before. We, as human beings, do things over and over again and keep getting the same results, mm. right? Or we, like, have this tiny little incremental growth, right? Like, we'll go one rung of the ladder. Well, I would argue that it doesn't have to be like that. We can make massive leaps in our growth. You can go from being in a company making $50,000 a year to starting your own business and becoming very wealthy. You can go from having bad relationships to identifying the pattern that had it go that way and have an unbelievable, magical, loving relationship very quickly. And I think everybody can succeed with a coach if you're willing to like do introspective work, if you want to see other perspectives. But for me, when people are like, why should you want to work with the coach? I'm like saying, because you want to thrive. Like you want to squeeze all the juice out of that lemon and know that you got the most out of your life, out of your potential. And you want somebody who is going to call you on your bullshit, who's you're going to tell, you know, all your reasons and excuses and all your circumstances for not doing the things that you say you really want to do or pretending that you don't want to do the things you want to do. And somebody who's going to get up in there and push against you to either go, listen, either do it or admit that you're lying to yourself. That's kind of where I wanted to be. I either want to push people to succeed or I want them to go, you know what? You're right. I'm making up excuses and reasons and I'm okay with it. And at least they have to sit with knowing that and be honest with themselves. Yeah. And I think that's one of the key components of a great coach is that they understand it's not just about teaching them or coaching them through certain things. It's just about being there for them and having that presence to say, you know, you told me you're going to do this. So why haven't you done this or by this time? So there's the accountability. And I think that's one of the best things about having a coach is the accountability that it, it puts upon the person because that's, that's the momentum. That's the action because yeah. without that, then that person will just, will just make excuses. And if they do make that excuse, they have to accept the fact that they've made that excuse moving forward. So I, I absolutely love that viewpoint. Talking about the holistic view of being a coach and seeing them as a human. Outside of this, I work in project management and business mm -hmm. optimization. And one of the common things I see is that when it comes to inefficiencies, we see it coming from the top, especially with top management and that having a roll-on effect to the organization. What are some of the common themes for a person when it comes to getting that big leap you see that can be made instantly for, you know, just the general public? Well, it's funny because I think it's, it's the same as what you probably see in organizations. Because if you think about an organization, an organization is just made up of the people that are in the organization. 
you know, they say like, you know, a country gets the government it deserves because a government isn't this unique entity. It's not a machine, right? It's just the people from that society. And if the society grew, if the individuals in the society grew, then I would assert that the government would evolve and grow with them. And I would say the same thing about a company mm-hmm. and we could take this down like to an individual. So it's the same answer, whether if you're listening to this and you're wanting to improve your company or you're wanting to improve as an individual, I would say communication, probably number one. Mm-hmm. People don't listen. People don't listen to each other talk. Like a perfect example of this is the, what a normal human does is you're, Tommy, you're talking to me and I'm already thinking of what I'm going to say next and you haven't even finished talking yet. And so I think the first thing in communication is catching yourself where you're like, your brain is doing it without you even noticing. Like right now, there's a voice in your brain talking to you, talking about, you know, whatever. And I think we have to start noticing that voice in our head that's having a conversation with us in our own head and get just aware that it's happening. And then go, wait, no, let me be present. What is Tommy saying? Like, what is he trying to share? Like, can I really connect with him and hear him? And I think first off, just like people connecting with each other, hearing each other brings us closer together, understanding each other. And then I think that's where part of leadership comes from. So we're talking about like communication and leadership. And I don't think we've been taught how to be leaders like in school or really in our societies. There's nobody like you can go pay to go to a leadership program, but it's not something that everybody gets. So what is leadership? And I'm not the preeminent voice on what leadership is. But what I would say is, you know, a great leader to me is somebody that pulls everybody up with them. It's somebody that as they rise, they're pulling people up and making everyone beneath them or either on the same level as them or even better. I think great leaders typically are surrounded by people that are even better than them. And that's what makes them great is they recognize they've put the pieces around them that make them shine, but really all the other people are shining at the same time. So leadership, communication. And then I I have some things about authenticity because we were talking about people are pretending all the time, right? I think authenticity is made up of integrity, commitment, vulnerability, trust, and faith. And I'll hit these up really quick because I think this is a game changer for any organization and any person. I would argue that if you became more authentic, you will make more money, you will have better relationships, you will live a happier and more fulfilling life because you're living a life that's true to you. And the reason I put these categories is integrity isn't moral. Integrity makes up authenticity because it's your thoughts, your words, and your actions are in alignment. If you say you're a healthy person, you talk about healthy things, and you put healthy foods and exercise and whatnot in your body. The second part is a commitment. You live from what you're committed to. An authentic person says, let's say, I'm committed to the environment. Then their actions show up and they, sh- and they live from their commitments. They don't say, well, I feel like having a bottle of bottled water right now, so I'm gonna drink it and screw the environment, if that, you know, and just for this example. Vulnerability is the kind of the centerpiece because it's the piece that has you admit that you're not being real. It takes a lot of balls uh, to say, oh my God, I'm like lying to myself, to other people, I'm pretending, I'm not being true. And typically we're not being authentic because we're afraid. So to admit you're afraid means you're vulnerable. And then you got to trust, I think, that you, as you, are complete and whole and have everything you need. And then the faith piece is that there's things that we can't control, right? Whether, whether you believe in God, 
or the universe or mother nature or whatever you believe that there's things that are out of our control and you got to have faith that those things are working in your favor and on your behalf. And I think if you're a human, an individual human, having all those facets line up to create an authentic self will have you be successful. And, and by successful, I mean whatever's important to you. And I think if you're an organization, you can do those same things. Is an organization in integrity? Is it, is it following its commitments? Is it vulnerable? Is it trusting of its people and itself? And does it have faith in the, the kind of larger picture? Yeah. And as you're saying that, you know, it's about understanding some of those key attributes that can help us achieve the success that we want and or the business success that we want. But we have to understand that they have to work together. You can't just have one without the other because it defeats the purpose. You know, you, you can't have integrity, but then not be an honest person. So having some of these key attributes, we need to understand they need to work together to to develop the, the person internally um, that we wish to be. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about the Dream Mason podcast. Sure. What's it all about and how long have you been on that journey for? I launched my podcast of February 2000, I think February 2018. So we're over two years. We've done, I don't know, 150 or 60 episodes, something somewhere in that range. I don't know exactly like offhand. You know, it's, I think it's, it started off as something really similar to what a lot of podcasts are. You know, I'm talking to leaders, creators, innovators, trying to understand the adversity and the things that people have overcome. And it's evolved because I had that conversation for a while. And like, when you talk about being authentic, I realized like I started to get bored of having that conversation just for me. Like I was, man, I was like that many episodes, right? Hundreds of interviews. And I went, what do I, what would be authentic? What, how do I want to provide value? How do I want to contribute to people? And I started to say, you know, I think I just want to find people that are living interesting, powerful lives that, you know, you could be a garbage man. And if you're a garbage man that loves his life and loves his job, you know, or just loves what the job before you, I want to talk to you because I want to understand like how you've made your life like your dream life. And the dream, the dream Mason as a word is all about like, do you have the courage to say you have a dream? Because that's scary, right? People will try to talk you down, tell you it's impossible. And then the Mason is about like, are you committed enough to go build it? And so it doesn't matter if your dream is to have a family or to make a billion dollars or to have a podcast that, you know, all your friends listen to, right? It's like, I don't get to choose that. And I think that's what the podcast is, has always been about is identifying people that, that are dream masons, which I say everyone is a dream mason, but we're not all acting as them. So identifying those people and really just being curious and getting to learn and connect with them and, and see why they live and how they live the way they live. So fun. It's, it's so much fun. It's like my favorite thing to do. Every week. I really love that you, you talk about, you know, everybody has a dream. Everybody is working towards a certain goal and how your podcast has evolved. You know, initially when I started the stressless entrepreneur, I wanted to chase the big dogs. I wanted to get the people, the big guys, you know, overcame big adversity and, and, and stress. But then over time, I realized that everybody has their own version of stress and struggles doesn't necessarily have to be someone that's already successful but you know just the everyday person like you and me so the podcast has already evolved and we're starting to see more of the the daily users living their daily lives and we're having incredible conversations I mean one that I wouldn't expect to be having at this point in time so I really love that you know you've seen your podcast grow and evolve a certain way I used to always thought you know I'd pivot to a degree 
but there's this natural evolution that uh, I think that's is happening and um, I'm thankful for that. What are some of the challenges in terms of staying consistent and getting the feedback from your listeners to help deliver the value? And I'd be lying if I said this show wasn't exhausting. <laughs> it's all exhausting. Yep. It's exhausting to, you know, find guests and, and I have people supporting me. I don't do all this myself, but it's, it's exhausting to find people, even, even just like to your point, it doesn't have to be big names, just regular people. And, but people that can tell their story in interesting ways, because everybody can't tell their story interestingly and finding the people, talking to them about what we're going to talk about, setting it all up, doing all the, you know, the editing and the promoting of it on social media and hoping people listen, because you can't control that. And that doesn't count like, right, like writing a book. It took me four and a half years to write that book. And I, um, I started working. I have a second book that I'm working on. I have other projects that I'm working on that are involved writing. My practice with, with whether it be with corporate or individuals is an ongoing day-to-day thing. I create courses. So when you talk about stresses and struggles, I'm like, man, it's tiring. Like I'm tired. And, and I mean, look, we're all, COVID has affected the whole planet, not just like one place. And I don't know, you know, how many, where your listeners come from, but there's a lot of like racial and political problems right now in the United States. And that takes a toll, like on, you know, even if you're safe, you still feel it. It's the energy, right? Like there's an energy of the world that COVID has impacted. And I think that really taking good care of myself through all these things, if I'm writing my book, making sure I'm getting sleep, making sure that when an editor gives me feedback, which could look sometimes like somebody slit their wrists and like blood red ink all over a page, that I don't make it personal, that I can read it. I can say to myself, they're trying to make me better. They're not trying to hurt my feelings. They're not telling me I'm a bad writer. They're trying to help me grow. And I think that is one of the keys everywhere you go. I have tons of community around me, other coaches, friends, colleagues, that we support each other and give each other advice, coach each other on other things. And I have to remember that this is all self-care. It's all nourishment. It's all like feeding. To- so if I take better care of myself, I can take better care of other people. So it's a kind of a general answer. You're like, what's our thing is it's like, I think it's exhausting is the hardest thing to keep up, to wake up every week and go, I got to put one foot in front of the other and keep this ball rolling. Because to your point, right? Like I'm not Tim Ferriss. I'm not one of these people that have like 50 people making it all go yet. Mm. And so a lot of, I have support and I have people that help me, but a lot of it still falls on my shoulders. And so if I want to do more, it means I have to, create more and I have to take a little bit more of the burden. And it also means that I have to take care of myself better because otherwise I'll fall apart. And if I fall apart, the whole thing falls apart. Yeah. You will get to a point where people are dependent on you in terms of the production and the success of the podcast. So I think that will have a a role to play in terms of the conversation that we're having internally in trying to do our best to not just help ourselves, but others as well. You mentioned COVID-19 and some other stuff, especially in America with people of color and the fear that it's generated in our society. Has that impacted yourself in terms of your business and the podcast in in general? Yeah, you know, it's impacted me emotionally more than anything. My coach is uh, African-American black man in, you know, here in America. And when all the things started happening, the first thing, like my heart was broken for him. Like what, it, what must it feel like? And we could say this, like there's lots of problems, right? Like I, it's not just 
a black issue. This is there's issues with trans people and gay people and, and Asian Americans. Like I mean, it's it's all different people of all different races and colors and, and belief systems and whatnot. And I think the first thing was like my heart was broken. You know, six years ago, before I started working on myself, I had no feelings. I didn't embrace feelings. I didn't embrace caring about other people. And all the work I've done to become more vulnerable and open and empathetic, now it has me feel and connect. And I felt really heartbroken for people that I knew that were facing this. And I felt sad that like, I couldn't just do anything to make it different. And so when you say, how has it affected me? Luckily, it hasn't impacted my business. My business has been thriving. And I've, me and my clients, I think have made, we've had some of the best financial months of our life. I have like great relationships. I had a, two clients in the last two months get engaged. I have somebody who had a baby. Like there's all these wonderful things. And even with that, there's like this cloud, right? This sadness of that. There are people that are suffering that lost their jobs that are sick. There's people that are struggling with, with race and religion and all these things. So for me, one of the things I've done is I added a segment to my podcast. It's called Conversations on Race, Diversity, and Inclusion. And I specifically bring on people that have a story to tell about racism or have a story to tell about how they weren't included or how they overcame one of these things. And the intention is really what I learned in connecting with my coach was that I could never understand what it would be like to be a black man in America, right? You only know what it's like to be Tommy through the lens of Tommy. That's it. I only know what it's like to be Alex through the lens of Alex in the, in the world and the shoes that, and I think that we, we don't realize that like Tommy's version of life and Alex's version of life are not the same and they're not reality. They're just our reality. Yep. And the only way we can actually, I think, come together more is to have empathy and understand each other. So it would be like to ask somebody, you know, um, I don't know your background, but it's like, what's it like to be you and live in your shoes with your skin color and your heritage and your religion in your country? And so I've been doing that with on the Dream Mason podcast. And it's been really, really fun. And it's been really sad. But I'm something I'm proud of because I'm giving people an opportunity to share about a thing that a lot of people are afraid to talk about. You know, they don't want to have those conversations. And I get to, it gets me to look at where am I biased? Where do I have beliefs that are made up because of, you know, the way I grew up and whatnot. And when we talk about empathy and being a true empath, there's only so much we can actually do in terms of putting ourselves in, in someone else's shoes because you may do it for that one scenario or that one singular case, but you, you don't understand how that affects you if you, I guess, experience it on a regular basis and then how that impacts the, the person's personality or their response to that particular scenario. So it's great that, that you're creating more self-awareness and actually taking taking action in creating that self-awareness and changing or introducing a format to your podcast to, to allow people to just hear those stories, listen, feel those emotions, noting that, you know, listening is, is just one thing, but we got to go out there and we got to take action because this is a paradigm shift that needs to happen. It, it's a cultural shift that needs to happen. It's not something that's that's just going to change, you know, by tomorrow. And that's one of the things I, I talk about in this stressless entrepreneur is that if we want some things to change, there is a, a level of stress that comes with it. And mm -hmm. we got to understand that, that stress threshold if we're able to handle it. And then how can we best approach it so it becomes, the, it becomes comfortable. Yeah. So that self-awareness in moving forward We've got to have a certain level of stress. Yeah, we find out too who we are in the most confronting and uncomfortable and challenging moments. You know, we think of 
I don't actually know the answer to this, so I can't say like, I don't know the impact of like somebody like Martin Luther King, what he's thought of in other countries or around the world or how much, you know, but in like the United States, he's like very a revered leader and, and man and person. And I think Gandhi would be like more of a global person that we think of like that. And I think of like, because of the situations that they were in these bad situations, they got to find out who they really were as people. And I think that's the thing is like, yeah, some of this stuff is terrible, but it also creates the environment for people to find out who they really are. You get to find out, do you care about people? Are you racist? Are you caring? Are you going to make change? Are you going to just go watch Netflix? Like, who are you? When things are good and happy and easy, we don't get to find out who we are. We only get to find out who we are when we're actually like under pressure and pushed and tested. Alex, we're just running out of time. Is there anything that you'd like to go through that I've forgotten to mention? No, I mean, I think you, you touched on most things. I think, um, I think the only thing that I, would, that I would offer up that we haven't touched on is if you're not living the life you want to be living, whether it be money, relationships, happiness, health, you know, job, whatever, look at your habits and your routines because your habits and your routines tell you the story, right? If your habits and routines are you don't exercise and you eat badly, you're probably going to be unhealthy and overweight. Most things in life that relate to our successes and failures are not a mystery. They're actually in direct relationship to who we're being about things and the actions we take about things. So if you don't like the way things are going, look at your habits and your routines and change them. And if you can't see those blind spots, go get a coach. Any good coach worth their salt who takes what they say seriously, I would say will give you people some free you know, time to see if they're a good fit for each other. And you can learn a lot. I mean, I became a coach because of some free time that somebody gave me that that moment changed my life. So thanks for that final tip for our entrepreneurs. If they'd like to reach out to you, where can they find you both in business and, and the podcast? The Dream Mason podcast is anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio. And if you want to find me, if you want a free discovery call, a free session with me. I, I still give those out. I mean, I give a lot more out than it's part of my like contributing and providing value. But if you go to the dreammason.com, the dreammason.com, there's actually a, uh, a little quiz you can take called the authenticity audit to find out how authentic you really are. And if you do that, you can get some free time with me. Or if you just email me at alex at the dreammason.com and you tell me you want to know what it's like to have a coach or experience coaching. We can make that happen also. Alex, thanks for joining me today on The Stressless Entrepreneur. Thanks for sharing your story. It has been a pleasure. Tommy, thank you. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for being another person that uses their voice to create change and powerful impact in the world. There you have it, guys. Thank you for tuning into The Stressless Entrepreneur podcast with me, your host, Tommy Bowie. If you like what you've heard today, please make sure you subscribe to our show and share this podcast with your friends. Leave us a review so that we can take on your comments, grow with you as a channel, and keep providing you quality, stress-free content. If you have a story to tell or just want to say hi, drop me an email on hello at thestresslessentrepreneur.com. I'll catch you all on the next episode.